This is the movie Hall of Fame, class of found footage, and there he is across the table from me. He just found this podcast in the middle of the woods. It's Adam Hall. I'm very scared. Yeah. <laughs> I'm very scared. Who knows what's on this what's, thing? What's coming what's coming at the end of this show? It's a found I, podcast. I, how the hell does that work? I For guess, Halloween. I guess that does actually make sometimes you just stumble on these weird podcasts and you regret it. Uh that that is <laughs> the experience of everyone that listens to this show. <laughs> no question. I've certainly had that experience with a couple of podcasts in my time. Yeah. And they're hard to get rid of. They they linger for for years and years. It is Halloween and we've sort of made it a tradition on this podcast to do a spooky themed pod for the season. Yep. Last year was our Dracula pod, is that right? Yes it was. Yeah. Man, that wow. I know. <laughs> oh man, I thought we just did that pot. Yeah, <laughs> about three weeks ago. Fuck, that's how it goes. Okay. It's almost Thanksgiving pretty soon. Oh no. And so yeah, this year you once again chose the category as this is your wheelhouse, and you crossed off a topic that you've been kicking around for I feel like a while now, and it's found footage, specifically horror. Although there are of course yeah, tons. dramas and even some comedies that are found footage format. Mm-hmm. We stuck with the spooky ones. Yeah, and for the record, there's probably some room to do another one of these in the future because, like, a Five Footage Part 2 because there are just so many of these movies. There are. Yeah, from many, many different eras of cinema. You'd be actually be surprised to find out how far it goes back. And it is interesting to kind of look at because this really took off in a way that, you know, as a kid, I was never really into these movies, to Me be neither. honest with you. Me neither. There's just a lot of junk in this genre, and I just kind of wanted to chat about that and just start with, I guess, the things that people are most fervent over. These are some of the most popular ones you're going to find out there. I could have gotten really weird with you, but I'm not sure you're ready for that. Because when we started thinking about this podcast, we were like, let's track the origin. And I'm like, do you really want to talk about Cannibal Holocaust? Which is not the first found footage movie, but the movie that serves as the template for... Everything that comes afterwards. Yeah. Yeah. yeah basically. Yeah. It's, it is, I guess, more or less, aside from Blair, which sort of talked about as like the urtext for what found footage kind of is. Yes. I've seen it before, mm-hmm. just out of curiosity, which was a stupid idea. Right. Um, I don't know how we'll ever talk about that movie. I'm not sure we, we need to. Maybe one day. Maybe one day we'll find the appropriate setting. I, and I, context. I, I don't want to rewatch if that. If we movie. do like just cannibal movies, we, <laughs> well, we got it. Yeah, we do a whole animal abuse podcast. Oh, Maybe lovely. that'll yeah, make yeah. the, you know, the, the class of uh, animal abuse. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Maybe one day. It, no, we are talking about today for the most part the uh, turn of the millennium, the found footage craze that broke out with Blair Witch in 99 and still lasts. To this day, yeah, they're, they're still making lots of found footage horror, although it's become, I think, now a little more digital, a little more internet-influenced. Yeah, I, yes, yes, you know, yes. you sir. got movies like, what is that, Unfriended yes. from a couple of years ago. Host was the Zoom pandemic thriller that came out on Shudder, right? Mm-hmm. Even like, uh, it's not a horror movie, but uh, that movie Searching and the yeah. sequel Missing from this year. Mm-hmm. You know, it's more of uh, that feeling of like, I'm surfing the internet and... At any turn, something might terrify me. Sure, yeah, exactly. You know, where these other movies that we're talking about, for the most part, are like in the flesh, obviously, camcorders and the accessibility of at-home cameras were definitely a big part of them. 
but it's kind of different than what we have now. I don't, I don't feel like there's a lot of movies like Blair Witch in particular, like Wreck no. made today anymore. No, 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 no. G- things that will genuinely get under your skin and use the medium to its advantage. Yeah. Kind of understands that this is a good idea if used properly. It's it's more than than just a gimmick. So let's actually weaponize that to really, like truly, truly terrify you. Because mm. I think two of these movies on this list are the scariest movies I've ever seen. Yeah. There's some rough ones. Yeah, yeah. it's a rough one. You know? I'll tell you, it's, it's a, rough a rough one, one. you know? <laughs> I will say with our selections, it is interesting uh, looking at them because they are all pretty different flavors of this idea. I'm glad, I, like, I'm glad Cloverfield is on this list, for example. Sure. I'm, you know, I one I'm not glad is on this list, but, it, you know, it's a swing. It's different. Yeah. I don't like the approach whatsoever. Brett will talk. I think all of them, to a certain extent, are still coasting on the same Blair Witch high. Sort of. From 1999, right? Like, that was the movie that made it clear, oh, wait a minute, we can make a movie for $10,000 that looks like it was made for $10,000 and it's going to make $300 million worldwide. Yes. Right? And also... Its approach to viral marketing uh-huh. clearly had an influence on all of the, the movies that we're going to talk about today. Yeah. And I think maybe is that the reason why it's never quite been for me? Obviously, I was a, a bit of a puss growing up. So, like, you know, these movies were never, <laughs> <laughs> never my, my first choice at Blockbuster. But I don't know. There was always like a, a cynical corporatism tied into the marketing of these things and it's kind of inextricable from the product itself, right? It was always like, oh, there's a website that you have to decode the clues and maybe it's real and, you know, and that I think was always, certainly as I got older and started to develop my taste a little more, this is way more of a marketing gimmick than it is a storytelling gimmick. Oh, yeah. No, and that was what was always frustrating about them. I mean, I didn't really experience the Blair Witch craze, but that was a big part of it. Yeah. I certainly experienced the paranormal activity craze, though. Sure. And that always annoyed the shit out of me. No, it was always a movie where, as a kid, again, I didn't watch them unless I was like at a sleepover or whatever, and one of my friends put them on. But I would always see the poster, and I'd be like this is the whole movie. It's just like that static poster of the bedroom. And like, I know the corridor is really creepy or whatever, but like, there's no way like 90 minutes worth of movie is just this shot. And basically, yeah, 90 minutes more or less. Obviously, there's the interstitials or whatever, yeah, but sure, for the sure. most part, it's like the exact same static shot for like five movies, like every single paranormal activity. Yeah, I know they've gotten a little more high concept or whatever. Exactly. But, but yeah, no, it's like more or less. That's what it is. Yeah. yeah it always felt like, man, they are using a marketing gimmick as an excuse to make a dull-ass movie. I guess my problem is they don't all have the same sort of creative verve that the original Blair Witch Project did. Yeah. Well, and it's one of those movies that it's like, it's great that it exists for what it was as its own thing, but for the influence that it had on the industry, I'm not so sure it was a great one. Ugly. Yeah. Bad, terrible influence. I would actually right. completely agree with you. But you separate yourself from that influence. You just look at it as artists using the limited means to make a genuinely scary movie. It's pretty impressive. Whereas like the other ones, I mean, you can list us so many, not just Paranormal Activity, but its respective uh, sequels, The Last Exorcism, Part 1 and 2, sure. As Above, So Below, Quarantine. Quarantine, which is the rec remake. Yeah. Right? You got the VHS movies. Yeah, yeah. VHS movies, for sure. Which has now become its own mega franchise. Yeah, I wrote down a couple more. You got Willow Creek, which is the Bobcat Goldthwait yeah. movie from 2013. Ty West made a bunch of them, including The Sacrament from 2013. That might be one of the biggest ones. Uh, Diary of the Dead, the Romero. Yeah, the Romero one. One is a found footage movie, although apparently not great. 
Uh, no, not great at all. But mm. one of the things I will say doesn't have the same level of cynicism that the Paranormal Activity sequels certainly do. It's made by a person. It's made by, yes, and you can tell. It's certainly yeah. written by a person. Yeah, listen to that dialogue for, for a minute. Don't mess with Texas, Nico. Don't mess with Texas. I would never dream of it. <laughs> I've learned my lesson. <laughs> uh, we, we talked about a couple of these on the other pod. Troll Hunter from 2010 yeah, that's a good is one. one that's actually pretty good. I like, I like Troll Hunter a lot. Yeah, yeah it's a fun. solid creature feature. Yeah. Incident at Loch Ness from 2004. Werner Herzog <laughs> in yeah. a found footage movie. Found footage of mockumentary. Yeah, fine line, right? You yeah. got to be careful about these designations. I think when you start adding in the talking heads parts, which they do in that movie, right. then it's, it's, it crosses over the line to being mockumentary for me personally. Well, I think like a found footage movie, you literally have to find the footage. Yes, that's the express. Yeah, that has to be part of, of the title. Yeah, like people say District 9 is a found footage movie. That is not a found footage movie at all. The conceit of that movie is that it's a news broadcast. Yes. And it was filmed and shot and aired. So yeah, why do people think it's a found footage? It was movie? not found. No, right. yeah. no, that's just a stylistic choice for a couple moments of the movie. Sure. <laughs> you know, Lake Mongo, we talked about a couple months ago, is kind of sort of, there are found footage elements, but for the most part, it's, right. yeah. And there's some dramas, of course. End of Watch from 2012. Yes. Is found footage, as is Chronicle, yeah. which is a movie that I think we smartly avoided. I don't want to do the Trank thing again. Nope. I'm good. Nope. I'm good. Sorry. Uh, Project X is it in comedy form. Oh, I hate that movie. The Dirties, 2013. Oh, I've seen The Dirties. Psychological thriller. Oh, I regret not putting that on here. That's a good movie. Yeah, but not really horror. No, no. It's yes, a like, shooter movie. It was spoiler. Yeah. Right, but yeah. Yeah, but I guess if we're on the topic of Blackberry, I guess it'd be nice to talk about that guy's movies. That uh, guy's a dude. He's that an guy interesting is a fucking dude. Weird guy. I like, After Blackberry, I'm like, this guy, pencil be it. I'm there. He knows what he's doing. That's a good movie, too. The Dirties is a good movie. Yeah. So. The last broadcast from 1998, a year before Blair Witch, was another paranormal found footage movie. A lot of people say that's the original Blair Witch. Got there first. Um, I haven't seen it. But. I haven't seen it either, but DeFeo was just telling me that he watched it and loved it and recommends I go into it blind. So I'm going to do that very soon. All right. But the movies we're talking about today, well, <laughs> 1999's The Blair Witch Project, 2007's Paranormal Activity, 2007's Wreck, 2008's Cloverfield, and 2014's Creep. One of them getting into the Movie Hall of Fame. Uh, only five movies on the list. Yep. Seems kind of short. It's okay. Is it okay? Yeah, for now. <laughs> I have an idea. Let's add a sixth one. Oh, what do you want to do? First up, 1980s Cannibal Holocaust. <laughs> you watch Cannibal Holocaust? Oh, no. We're doing it. Nineteen eighty. Watched it this morning. No. <laughs> oh no, dude. Oh. It's a spooktacular. Fuck. Happy Halloween, goblins and ghouls. All right. I Nico mean, watched Cannibal Holocaust. All right. I. I. Let's talk for a second. 
about fucking Cannibal Holocaust. I can't believe you watched Cannibal fucking Holocaust. <laughs> I watched it on Peacock this oh morning. Oh my! It's like, what is this movie doing next to the fucking Office and Friends? <sighs> I'll say this. I mean, it's a, it's a movie that will certainly disarm you at the beginning with its wonderful title music. Love that title. Yeah, it's like fucking MASH at the beginning. It's like, it's just oh, like, yeah, this is yeah, sweet. Yeah, yeah. yeah, nice sweeping helicopter shots yeah, or whatever. kind of vibing with this Suicide movie. Suicide is Yeah. It brings well, on many changes. There you go. <laughs> Where's Hawkeye? Yeah. <laughs> He's getting eaten. <laughs> yeah, I would say that this movie is a bit of a tonal roller coaster. <laughs> what the? Oh, what are you talking about? Yeah, I'd say that there are some tonal shifts, perhaps. Oh, my God. Way to completely derail the podcast in like five <laughs> seconds. I, I, you need to tell me this kind of thing. I just like. No. Watch. Oh, it's a surprise. Okay. I'm worried about you. Much like Rogero Diodato, whatever, however you pronounce his name, that crazy Italian fuck surprised the continent. Oh, yeah. Surprised his actors by almost burning him alive in a fucking hut. Lovely. Surprise! Cannibal Holocaust. Tell me about your experience with Cannibal Holocaust. Well, you know what? At the risk of sounding like a bit of a snowflake, I think this movie is kind of problematic. <laughs> oh, you don't say. Yeah. Don't say. I mean, that would be my take. What, it's just like... What are y'all, puss? Yeah. You, I mean, you know, not to be too much of a liberal. Jeez. What are you... What, what, getting all triggered and shit. But, is, like, I would say it's a bit much. Who is this guy I'm a on bit this much, podcast? perhaps. Grow a thicker skin over there, Nico. I, I could say that to all of the Jeez. victims in this movie. They could use some thicker skin. All the skin. poor pigs and turtles. Uh, did not enjoy the animal cruelty. I'm just gonna say yeah, it. Yeah, no shit. You I'm didn't just enjoy. gonna say it. <laughs> it's, it's didn't I, dig it. It's not like hiding from the fact that they slaughtered animals, like in El Topo. Sure, it's not like that. No, 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 no. This is what we're just killing these animals, right? <laughs> yeah, at least Hodorowski well, felt bad about it. Sure. Yes. Yeah. 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 <laughs> we're just what we're just gonna gut this turtle. Right. Yeah. And listen, I've seen animal cruelty on screen before, yeah. and it's always bothered me. But I think it's the lingering nature of it, right? The, like voyeuristic, as is the case with this entire movie, just the way that they shoot it. Yeah. It's, I mean, not pornographic. That's not the right term, but like- it, Exploitative. It's exploitative and it is interested in the animal cruelty in a way that I was not, frankly, and didn't need to see what happened to that poor turtle and that poor beheaded monkey yep. and that poor possum. There was a killed spider, though. They did kill a spider. They did, and, you know, they deserved to die. So that was okay. I was cool with that. Yeah, yeah. Get it, took a tarantula, chopped it with, like, a machete or something. Chop so. as many tarantulas as you'd like, you know, because they're not cute and cuddly. Yeah. That's my philosophy. Oh, yeah, the pig being shot in the fucking head. That's another thing that, as someone who loves pigs, now, I know this happens to pigs constantly. Every day. Every single day. For your benefit I, yeah I, I every guess. day it happens I don't, not I don't, you guess you yes i don't like seeing it for no reason for the sake of a movie that's no, just of course but you'll eat him you. you'll eat no. the pig yeah you'll eat the pig i like pigs so that that really bothered me right um pigs are a cool animal they're they're cool guys they're they're, they're great you don't need to shoot it in the head with a shotgun yeah. but um it's one of those movies you kind of have to keep telling yourself it's just a movie just a movie just a movie mm-hmm. aside from the animals it's not just a movie but <laughs> it's just a movie mm-hmm. But man, it's hard to get in that headspace half the time because they really try to attack you, this movie. Yeah. They don't care. They don't care. And I've never seen a movie that- No uh, line. No, 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 no. No line whatsoever. I've never seen a movie so unconcerned with the audience's feelings in my life. Period. Well, uh, I mean, I don't know if that's- What do you mean? They're well-being. 
Oh, but it, it, it is oh. concerned about your feelings, though. In that, oh, it, it in, wants in you it, to have a feeling. In the it, negative sense, you yeah, mean. Yeah, that's, yeah, yeah. That's what I, yeah, I Certainly. Exactly. Certainly. But it is a movie in dialogue with the audience. Sure, <laughs> sure, know? absolutely. It's, you know, you're not, you're supposed to get a rise when someone gets raped with a stone or when a baby gets uh, ripped out of his, her mom's gut and buried in mud. You know, that's fun. And then clubbed over the head. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we can just go through and list everything that happens. I don't really want to do that just because like you know i don't want to ruin everybody's like commute to work by talking about like the impaling that happens oh the after classic a very brutal rape scene beforehand it's not good it's not you shouldn't watch this movie it's quite like it's never gonna leave my brain i'm yeah. a i'm a little fucked up after watching it and it's <laughs> i told uh, you not to watch it's it it's bad um you know listen you can talk about the intentionality of it and i I guess I buy the arguments. I don't know. I just find it kind of distasteful when like you show absolute just savagery and inhumanity on screen for an hour and a half and you shoot it in this like very voyeuristic invasive way. And in a way that like you can almost tell the person behind the camera is like, yeah, more, more, more. Oh, totally. And then at the end of the movie, you have like who is supposed to be the moral center of the film sitting on a park bench with one of the executives of the TV network that is planning on airing this documentary footage. And he's like, I wonder who the real cannibals are. Yeah. And as we pan up to a shot of skyscrapers, literally on the Avenue of Americas. And it's like, I get it. Colonialism. Yeah, I get it. I hate it as much as the next guy. You got me there. Check my privilege at the door. When I go into the movie, I, whatever. I understand it. I get it. We're the real cannibals. The white man's the bad guy, whatever. I still think the movie's pretty fucking racist, though. Even if you get rid of all of that high-minded philosophizing about American colonialism, I don't know. The idea of just, like, we're making a Grindhouse movie, but it's self-aware, I don't find... I've never found that argument to be sufficient enough to justify the gruesomeness you show on screen. There's always a little bit of cognitive dissonance when you're dealing with something like that because you know those making it aren't really concerned with the message they're telling. They're more so interested. It was with, an afterthought. Yeah, sure. Yeah. yeah, exactly. It feels like an afterthought. Like, even if that wasn't their... If their intention was, this is serious, listen to us, it does not come across that way whatsoever. So right. you fail on that level just as a storyteller to me. And I know, I get it. It's commenting on, like, Mundo documentaries or whatever, which, like, in the 50s and 60s was this documentary craze where, you know, documentarians would travel to Africa or to the Amazon rainforest or these very remote locations. Sometimes they would, you know, they would be about like the drug epidemic in, you know, a crack house in Brooklyn or whatever. Mm -hmm. But they would be these kind of like very leering voyeuristic documentaries that's like, can you believe your eyes, how the other side lives or whatever. And they were told with like no empathy, right? It was just like, how do we turn human suffering into tourism for our audiences, right? And this movie comments on Mondo documentaries by telling the story about the making of a Mondo documentary, which, Mm -hmm. all right, I get it. Fine. You also have some pretty irresponsible stereotypes about natives though well this this is the problem is that like it feels more like the russian roulette scene in deer hunter extended for an entire film yes it's a it's f- maybe one moment to put an accent on a point whatever you want to call it. it's fine in deer hunt it's a little it's disingenuous it's annoying but it doesn't take away from the fact that that scene in and of itself is 
impactful to literally everybody who saw it. Uh, well, the Deer you- Hunter too. Also, the war stuff is kind of tapestry, mm-hmm. and the story about like you know man's descent into psychological hell is kind of at the foreground. And it's like a lot of that movie is a domestic movie too. A lot of that sure, is about yeah, it's not you know really- coming home from war or whatever. That movie's not about the Vietnamese people. No, well, luckily, yes. That's a movie about De Niro and walking in Meryl Streep or whatever. And yeah, (laughs) Vietnam is half. And this is like, you know, leering at the culture, right? It is a, it is about these Amazonians. Supposed to be. I mean, it, it, it is, but just not in a very responsible way. Yes. Right. That being said, though, it this did very much feel like a Vietnam era movie. And And it's kind of inextricable from Apocalypse Now. Like I think, of course, about the the cattle death scene in apocalypse now the mm-hmm. animal cruelty in that yeah. scene in that movie it's not like my least favorite movie ever or anything like that there is some craft there's a ton of it actually i mean there are things that i like about the movie for sure i certainly like the, the setup a lot coming to the gates of hell what is that actually going to look like and it's there's something alluring about the jungle and then going a little further to ultimately find the skeleton on, into the heart of darkness yeah ab- absolutely sure, yeah. sure 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 it does arouse your curiosity quite well especially when you do find that weird skeleton with the tapes and everything it's just like oh my god like and the bugs crawling around it yeah. wh- what am i really getting into it's effective it it works like there's a yeah there's a good like third of this movie that i can you know unironically say I, without any shame that i genuinely really like mm-hmm. i don't know i don't really buy the intentionality here after a certain point it's like yes it's like are you really being sincere with this when you're shooting it this way when you're showing these things that probably don't actually I mean when happen. they kill the turtle it's like there's this swooning music and they show one character kind of like that's throwing the, up yeah that's the you know but well the I, fact that okay here's the thing yeah. the fact that there's this type of the, the animal cruelty is actually the the dead giveaway for me Be, yes. because like what is really the purpose of that like as far as like from a storytelling perspective for what these documentarians are doing, like I don't get that at all. It's like it's not it's not in not, the logic of the movie or not really in the no. logic of the movie. I mean, what what are they really focusing on from like they're they're there to do a job to to examine the culture of these native people, right? And then you spend like ten to fifteen minutes of the movie just on animal cruelty sometimes, right? And these their students, own animal these cruelty. grad students are monsters. Yes, I mean they're absolute like they are the worst exactly. people. Like I, I again like it's hyperbole is used as a stand-in for yeah. the white man right uh-huh. Uh-huh. yeah but still like these people are not like plausibly evil like they're literally just going around gutting nature mm-hmm. raping women that's it, the thing it's just like viking times like ser- like raping and pillaging in like the way that you only hear about in stories not something that and maybe it happens in the world. I'm sure it does happen in the world, but like it's it's brutal. I mean, I listen. I like the idea of like exploitative documentarians. I think there's a lot of truth to those types of personalities in the world. I think there's plenty of great guys, and there's also I think a lot of guys where the the ego of making an important film gets very much in the way. Mm-hmm. There's a good movie to be made here, and that is, by the way, a running theme of most found footage movies. Sure, absolutely. I don't mind that, but here. Like, talk about getting lost. (laughs) That's all I'll say. Just goes too far. Yeah. Right? I think it just goes too far. To the extent that there is a line, which I guess there isn't, but, you know. Again, even if the intentionality was sincere, you have kind of lost me with the presentation of this kind of stuff. Yeah, and I I literally, like, when I say there's no point in the animal cruelty, it's like, I don't mean that in the logic of the movie. Like, if you want to show animal cruelty on screen, if you want to depict it, that's one thing. I mean, literally, what is the point of making a movie in which you 
kill animals in real life. Like, there's just no reason for that. Okay, they justify it in something like Apocalypse Now. Right. But you have to understand the context of that is that they're doing it specifically because it's like... There's poetry. There's a, po- well, there's a poetry to it, absolutely. It's weirdly, beautifully done, but th- the context is that they were just shooting that event, that culture, you right. know? There was humanity in it in a weird way. Right? There was humanity and they, they did their homework, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Ari Aster talked about that a lot on Midsummer. Because obviously he takes creative liberties with that ending, but yeah. he wanted the rituals to be, and he always does his research. You know, Robert Eggers is another guy. Yeah, authentic. That yeah. they do a deep dive into it just so, like, yeah, we're going to show you debauchery. Like, we're going to cross the line and we're going to make a horror movie here, but we're going to make sure that the little details are right so we're not disrespectful to the culture at large. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I mean, this movie is in 1980. Obviously, the sensibilities are a lot different in our approach to filmmaking and like the responsibility of a filmmaker was not in the front of this guy's head. And it's an Italian film at this era, nonetheless, sure. which at the time were not exactly known for being the most tasteful productions, shall we say. Yes. That being said, though, <laughs> The man was arrested on obscenity charges and the four actors that play the documentarians in the found footage aspect of the movie, they signed as part of their contract that they were going to go into hiding for a year. This is a you know great bit of uh, movie making. Yeah. Myth. And so, yeah, a lot of people assume that they were actually killed and that the movie was a snub film and he was arrested on murder charges. He was acquitted when the four actors came out of hiding and went on TV. And it's like, no, actually, it was a movie. We're alive. Great. So, <laughs> again, the viral marketing element, like even then, yeah, like, even then there was, that was like a publicity stunt, you yeah, know, at least the found footage, like it does make sense. I'll give it that. Like, I understand how the found footage comes to be. It's not like Chronicle where I cannot wrap my head around why that's a found footage film. <laughs> right. Yeah. And here they literally find the footage. So there you go. They, <laughs> they literally find the footage. Right. And they show you the documentary crew actually piecing it together. Yeah. yeah. Um, I'll say this. Uh, morally, it's the worst film on the list. Right. I don't think it's the worst film on the list. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> I agree with that, I think. All right. <laughs> I love you, Mom. Dad. I'm so sorry. my eyes I'm scared to open them 1999's The Blair Witch Project is next on the list it's directed by Daniel Merrick and Eduardo Sanchez Heather Donahue Michael C. Williams and Joshua Leonard star three film students vanish after traveling into a Maryland forest to film a documentary on the local Blair Witch legend leaving only their footage behind yeah you know, one of those movies where it's like, I wish I was, obviously I was, I was around, but I was very, very young and I would have never seen this movie when it came out. But like to have been like 16 or 17 when this movie came out, 
there are very few movies throughout film history that are like that. And yeah. I feel like I would have really enjoyed being part of the Blair Witch discourse. 99, man, was a great year for movies. Even for like the movies that we don't necessarily love, like The Phantom Menace, that's still a crazy moment. Phantom Menace, this, The Matrix, Fight Club. Yep. Jesus Christ, what a year. Crazy time. This movie only cost $60,000, a lot less than many of those movies listed, but it made a lot more, $250 yep. million worldwide. A little engine that could movie... Again, is it real? Is it not? There was, you know, some debate going in. These websites popped up. What is the Blair Witch? Mystery of the Blair Witch. An incredible viral marketing campaign at the beginning of the internet. Just like right there as Al Gore was inventing it. (laughs) And um, it is a movie that I I put on again in preparation for this pod. Just because I'd only seen it once in my life. And I assumed that it was not rewatchable. You know, I assumed that it was like... Just a time and place. You had to be there. In fact, you had to be alive and in the theater and part of it to really enjoy the movie. Wrong. This movie's really fucking scary. Yes. It's really, really scary. Even if you know that, like, you're not even going to see the Blair Witch. You're not going to see anything on screen, really. It's incredibly minimalist. Mm -hmm. It's all about what you don't see and what you don't hear. It's still really, really effective, especially that ending, which, like, in an era where... Horror movie endings, I mean, we're going to talk about a couple of them on this show, always get so fucking cute and clever and try, like, getting you with one last jump scare at the end. And, like, they want to leave you on that one really gruesome note. The minimalism and restraint of that ending is incredible. And the shot of the guy staring at the wall, Mm -hmm. just one of those indelible movie images that was, like, taken by mistake. They got that shot by accident. And it's fucking, you know, the lady's legs in the ocean during Jaws. You know, it's like one of those incredible movie images. This is an amazing, amazing, amazing movie. Yes, it is. I agree. There's people that don't agree with that, though. It's not to your point about the movie not aging well in quotes. There are those who do not agree with you, Nico. I don't agree with them at all. Having seen the movie, like, like I watch this movie every every other year, basically, and I'm like, no, this shit works. I I don't know what you guys are talking about, but this thing really, really, really works. I don't, I don't know if we become spoiled with what we expect out of horror movies and what we expect out of found footage horror specifically. It's one of the best horror movies of the last 25 yeah, years. I, mean, yeah, I, don't I don't know. know. <laughs> I haven't seen much better than this since Blair Witch. If it's effective, it's effective. It doesn't matter to me. Yeah. I mean, I think a lot of people get stressed out by just these characters breaking down. And that is effectively scary. Like the psychological horror. A lot of people t- talk about like just the atmosphere and how scary that is, which it is. But the psychological trauma of this movie is intense. It's almost scarier than anything else in the movie. Yeah. As they just slowly dwindle away as they go deeper and deeper into these woods. You want to know something? The acting is really good. Yes. Yeah. Yes, it is. Yeah, these actors pull it off. Everybody complains about the bad acting in this. I'm like, I, what the fuck are you talking about? I yes. have no idea what you're talking like, about. What are you talking about? Yeah, yeah. I completely agree it with you. It is actually the, an I, incredible character study. It's really effective as just like these three friends, yeah, learning to distrust each other. Someone somewhere told them that they're not professional actors, and then they're like, oh, wow. Oh, of course they're not professional actors. Yeah, look at how shitty right, the acting right, is. Right, 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 right. like, fuck off. Right, right. <laughs> I have no patience for that. Meanwhile, all of you were in the theater being yeah, yeah, like, exactly. why is this allowed? Exactly. Yeah. exactly. <laughs> Where watching. are these people? Yeah, it would happen to them. Yes, exactly. Precisely. Yeah, it's that classic, like, oh, I wasn't fooled. I was just going along with it because you all It's, it's okay. You're supposed to be fooled by a movie. That's what they're for. You yeah. But you buy into the magic. Yes. Right. It's great. Man, I think that for me, 
just the scene where they they've lost their friend and they're just kind of looking around and then uh, one of the guys is calling over to come look at something. And then you just see all the hanging scarecrows in the trees. And they're like, what the... It's, f- it's one of the scariest things. Yeah. Right. What the fuck is and this? it's not yeah. really a jump scare. No. It kind of is, but no, it's it's like a sustained, intense creepiness. Yeah, like we're, we are somewhere where we should not be. Yeah. <laughs> something bad is coming. It's that great sense of doom. And like you're just crossing deeper and deeper into this hell. Mm-hmm. I connect to it because I've been there before. I've discovered shit like that in woods before. Oh, yeah. And it's not fun, man. It's really- I'm a little out of the <laughs> wander through the woods game, if oh, I'm being God. honest it's, with you. It's been a long time since I've- Yeah, my, my wandering through the woods days, I mean, I'm kind of out of my prime. I can still do it every now and again if necessary, but- In my high school days, this was a common Oh, definitely. Thing. It was the only thing to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whether it was like the rock shrines or if you would discover literally people like making makeshift like stick people in the woods, I would actually- discover some stuff very similar to this Blair Witch stuff and it terrified you. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. There's that line in the movie where it's like, it's hard to get a loss in America these days. I remember as a kid thinking that getting lost was fun, Mm -hmm. you know, because like we were born in an era where getting lost didn't mean death, right? You had like GPSs and you always had maps. Like even if you got lost on the road or whatever, you didn't have to pull over on the side of the road and ask where you were. You know, you could just, I mean, when we were kids, we didn't have like GPS on our phones yet, but we had like MapQuest and shit. Yeah. It was harder to get lost by the time that we were kids. Mm-hmm. And the woods, I always felt like, because I grew up not in incredibly rural areas, like I was, you know, I'm in a suburb, the woods were never so big where if you got lost, you could get stranded there for days. Mm-hmm. And I think in this movie, the characters, uh, there is this perverse joy they get out of getting lost at first. Mm-hmm. Like it is fun for them and there is like something very cinematic about that because it's something that only happens in movies. Sure, yeah, nowadays too. But it is something that can happen to you and it is one of those things that like, yeah, when it does happen to you, it ain't as fun as it is in the movies. No, Um, no. And it's a very fine line between like going to a haunted house and pretending that you're getting murdered by Jason, right? And then actually being in a situation where you plausibly could die. It's a very, very real threat it's more real than you would think people say phones kill horror movies and to an extent that's true but hey sometimes your phones just don't work right you know sure. it's as simple as that and especially right. in a place like where these people are absolutely like it's still like i think a lot of people looked at this movie in 2023 and are like none of this makes any sense to me i mean the movie gets ahead of that by introducing the supernatural element with like the days they lose sense of time yeah, yeah right exactly. they lose sense of time and direction yep Yes, but the cool thing about this movie is you could take out the supernatural element and it was entirely, and it still works as yes, a horror. Yes, I agree, movie, I agree, I agree. Which is incredible. I mean, in fact, you don't see the Blair Witch. You don't even know what the Blair Witch is. Like, yep. in the lead up to this movie, people are like, oh, there must be a witch in this movie, and there's no reference to a witch. No, the Blair Witch is that moment at the end. That's the Blair Witch. Right. For all intents and purposes. When but she- there was a shot when they're around the campfire that the camera gets thrown around and there was a woman in white on set that day and the camera just didn't pick her up and they used the take of her not getting shown on screen. You hear her saying, what the fuck was that? And as, as she's running away, that's, that's where you're, they were supposed to pan over and see like a woman like raising her arms or something like that. Yeah. And they just didn't. Yeah. And again, just like a masterclass of restraint Mm -hmm. and horror. Like, yeah, it's way more effective that we didn't see it. Yes. It's way more like you look at paranormal activity, which is a movie that, is going for the exact same feeling that Blair Witch does, although it shows you a lot more. And yeah, of course it's not as effective. You want to see a masterclass on how to sort of take away everything that made this movie work and kind of butcher it. You watched Blair Witch by Adam Wingard. Sure. Not a very good movie. 
yeah. shows you the witch, of course. Of course. And now that is a found footage movie, unlike it Blair is. Witch 2, right? Yes, yeah. But yeah. I guess it's Blair Witch 3. Whatever. What the hell even is Blair Witch 2? I don't even remember. Uh, it's the Book of Shadows or something, right? <laughs> that was called Book of Shadows, and they're like in a cabin. It's a bunch of like kids in a cabin. And is they... it, but isn't it about the movie, The Blair Witch Project as well? I don't remember much about it, to be honest. Uh, yeah, I think so. I think Maybe, it, yeah, it's like yeah, a yeah. meta commentary on the movie. Or it's like, oh, yeah, some kids went disappearing in these woods. But really, it has nothing to do with Blair Witch at all. Okay. Yeah, getting lost in the woods. It's not fun. It's not great. No, but that's the other great thing. It's like when you're watching the movie, you will play games on yourself. We're like, are they just lost? Because right. I understand that. Or is the woods screwing with them? Yeah. And you juggle that back and forth the entire time. Like you, you will drive yourself crazy thinking about that along with the characters in a good way. It's really, 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 really good. Yes, and I agree. It is one of those just great lightning in a bottle American movies that, yeah, you can rewatch. Something's here. This is bullshit. It's here. What's here? What? What are you talking about? I don't know. I feel it. I feel it breathing on me. Paranormal Activity from 2007 is written and directed by Oren Pelly. It stars Katie Featherston and Mika Sloat as Katie and Mika. Mika's a real tool bag. Mika? Mika. First of all, who the, where do you get off? It's Mika. It ain't Mika. 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 Wait, wait, wait. So hold on. Wait. What a tool. Mika's the, the guy's name? Yes. Yeah, no. If you come up to me like, hey, my name's Mika. No, it's not. No, it's not. Yeah. It's Mike. Sorry, sir. No. Mike. Not abiding by that. I guess Mike, Micah's a rock, though, isn't it? Yeah, I don't know. Micah Parsons and the Cowboys. It's Micah. No, it's Micah. It's Micah. <laughs> it's now the Micah podcast. After moving into a suburban home, a couple becomes increasingly disturbed by a nightly demonic presence. Now they're one of those like improvisatory movies. They hire two actors. They're going by the same names as the actors' names, their characters are. Comes off to me, you know, like, like say Blair Witch is Halloween. This would be Friday the 13th. There you go. Uh-huh. Only cost $15,000, made $193 million worldwide. This is what starts the Blumhouse empire, right? Yes. This is, and, of course, many movies since. This movie's just so goddamn repetitive. And yep. that's the problem with this entire franchise. It's like, if you see the poster for the movie, you've seen the movie. You know? yeah. <laughs> that's a crazy thought, but you're absolutely right. Isn't yeah. it? You know, yeah. it's like, and it is in the same vein as Blair Witch 2. Like, it is going for this guerrilla marketing like it was in the peak of that show the audience reaction to the movie in the trailer oh yeah with like the night vision goggles or whatever people like throwing their popcorn and grabbing their girlfriends or whatever fucking awful yeah it was like at the peak of that the one poster existed and it was a phenomenon when we were kids and uh, i didn't get it then and i don't get it now the movie is just so boring I mean, it's just boring. It's a boring movie with some jump scares. Couple. That's not scary, though. That's startling. It's a difference. It's startling. It's I, not scary. It's I, like, all right, we got the camera. Man, some weird shit happened last night, huh? Wonder what's going to happen this night. Weird shit. I wonder what's going to happen the next night. More, More weird, weird shit. shit. And it slowly escalates, but it doesn't always feel like it escalates because sometimes the scares at the beginning are scarier than the scares at the end. I don't know. I just found it like a slog. And for an hour and 20 minute movie, 
I was shocked at how bored I was. First of all, I don't find it scary. No, I find the sleepwalking sequence to be somewhat scary. I, I find the image of her just kind of standing there for yes. however long to be creepy and, and somewhat scary. In the Blair Witch way, right? Where it's like, yeah. why are you staring at this wall? Like yeah. there's something, right. That, that like that confusing un- behavior. Right? Exactly. That unknown is, is unsettling and it gets under your skin. But man, aside from that, it's just the same scene played over and over again. Just, and you know what's going to happen. You know exactly where it's going. You know exactly how it's going to end. It's just a slight escalation on the previous scene. Hey, this time it, the door opens. That's it. That's all we do. And the next scene, it's like only the blanket and the leg, maybe. Right. The next one, oh my God, she gets pulled out of the bed. And then finally, you know how it happens and she slits her throat. It's just like, yeah, you're telegraphing this pretty well for me. Mm-hmm. And it's the same shot and it's essentially the same scene, just, you know, with a louder volume, that's I I don't I don't get it. I don't get it either. I don't get it. I, I feel the same way. And we're talking about a movie that's not rewatchable. It's like, yeah, no. this is the definition of it. Yeah. I rewatched it ten times in one sitting, basically, because basically, it's the same yeah. scene over and over again. <laughs> yeah. The part of the appeal of found footage movies is that they are emulating reality. Right? Yeah, sure. Like part of the idea is like there's no score. There's no fancy cinematography. There's no stingers. Nothing like indicating to you that this is a stylized Hollywood production, right? You have to then present some level of plausibility to go along with that. Mm-hmm. Staring at the wall in the middle of a cabin in the woods, that's plausible. Here it's like the Ouija board catching on fire. Yeah. The photograph, the glass on the photograph hanging on the wall getting broken, her getting dragged across the floor. Even the possession scene where her voice turns into the demon or whatever like none of this is it feels plausible none of this feels like i'm watching a tape that i shouldn't be watching sure, it all yeah. just feels like sort of like half-hearted attempts at the exorcist in this format oh in like you kind of be, sort of beat me to it it's like everything you just said has been utilized better in other movies and much sure. better movies and it's just right. like kind of cherry picking other things to kind of throw into this you know, found footage format. I like the idea. Listen, I'd like the idea of just, eh, there's some weird shit going around our house. Let's just film it. And then shit goes kind of crazy. And there is and a there, plausible explanation for why they are filming. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Fine. That's okay. But just cause it's a good idea. You, right. have, you have to sell it with the execution. I'm not giving your movie a pass just because on the outside looking in, Oh, the idea is kind of a neat thing. The actual experience of watching it is a whole different thing altogether. I just, I just find like, even like the, the normal like dinner scenes too, like no, nothing feels inspired to me. Like mm-hmm. even if you're pulling from a different type of text there, like, and we've seen it before in quotes, you know, you can express it your own way. That feels refreshing and this is far too lean for its own good i think too like there as you said there's not really a lot of meat on the bone on a character level like no one of the my revelations watching blair witch again is like there's some really solid character work you think you always think about when she's like why do you need to keep filming and she's just crying she says it's all i fucking got and i'm like oh i i understand okay i get it right and, and i know, I know and what a oh. profound like line about the nature of making movies too. yeah i love it I you love know, it. yeah. Whereas this is like, it's they're not making a movie; they're just watching security footage. They're curious. That's they're it. curious, right? You no, know. no, but a a justifiable curiosity. Sure, not a curiosity in like Wreck, for example, where it's a news reporter opening doors that she shouldn't be open. Mm-hmm. Right? It's not like that kind of curiosity where it's like, well, or or the kids in Blair Witch going into the woods because they want to make a good movie. Yep. 
No, this is like, yeah. there's some weird shit happening in this house, and we better film it to figure out what the hell is going on. <laughs> and they do, and the answer is as straightforward as we initially thought. That's the problem. It's like, okay, there's your answer. Within 10 minutes, we got it. Now what are you going to do? Yeah. And they just keep doing it. Right. <laughs> and there's none of that interesting character stuff no. of like, how does this marriage or this fall apart. this relationship fall apart as a consequence of this demon? Yeah. Uh, spoiler alert. She kills him at the end. I guess the marriage is done. I guess it is. Yes, that ain't happening. It's all about a marriage falling apart, really. And the guy's yeah. kind of a tool. He's yeah. kind of a douche. And he's, you know, he kind of like needles this woman. But I mean, it's not really like an unhealthy domestic partnership. Like it's no, it's not like in the way that a lot of these great horror movies, it's not like don't look now or whatever about like the erosion of or, or um, we, I mean, we just talked about possession. Yeah. Unwise erosion thing. of marriage. Yeah. It's not like a great marriage allegory. It's just no. It is domestic, but it doesn't really have anything to say about domestic life. It's not particularly well considered. You know, yes. it's kind of just like Blair Witch karaoke with more explicit supernatural elements. Sorry, that ain't going to get it done. Not the worst thing ever. There are some bad found footage movies out there. This is far from the bottom, but man, this thing is aged poorly. Uh, yeah. Separate question. Yes. You sleep with your door open? I have. I don't usually, but I have. Yeah. I feel like that's just a no-brainer. Keep the door closed. Yeah. I mean, again, like you don't have a movie. If Literally, if the door is closed, you don't have a movie. Because 90% of this movie, the audience is looking into that corridor waiting for something to come through it. I don't remember. Is the door closed at all at the beginning, maybe? Does it open? I mean, there's some, yeah. I mean, that's part of it is like it creaks yeah. kind of open and closed. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. But the majority of the movie is them sleeping. Every night before they go to bed, they leave the door open. Close the fucking door, my guy. I don't know. I mean, yeah. it probably won't save you from the demon, but could it hurt? No, yeah, it's fine. Yeah, close the door. Yeah, I maybe agree. the demon can't go through doors. It seems like they can't. <laughs> close the door. Sometimes they can't. Yes, I agree. And, like, that was the, like, the movie is so insulting to me. It's like, you really have me believing that they're living in a haunted house. They believe 100% sure that there's a demon in this house, and they keep the door open. <laughs> You and I know somebody that sleeps with her door locked because she's afraid like serial killers are going to come in. Yeah. And she would have a heart attack in the middle of the night knowing the paramedics couldn't get in because her door is locked. Yeah. Close the door. Close the door. Two thousand sevens. Open bracket. Capital R. Capital E. Capital C. Close bracket. Rack. The worst thing I've. I try, sometimes I tell people to watch this movie and like, oh, I'm watching it record now. I'm like, <laughs> what did you just say? <laughs> You're what? <laughs> say it again. <laughs> Rack. Directed by. Juama Balaguero and Paco Plaza. Manuel Velasco stars as a television reporter, along with her cameraman who follow emergency workers into a dark apartment building and are quickly locked inside with something terrifying. You can say that again. Mm. Spanish movie, 
Made $32 million internationally. I don't think it had an American release, but it did no. very well overseas. Very well. You have described this movie as the best Resident Evil movie ever made. That's exactly right. That is an Adam Hall. That's the best Resident Evil movie ever made. Absolutely. And I knew exactly what you meant as I was watching it because it's like that key mission at the end or whatever. You got to get the key in the intern's apartment and then you got to make it through the hallway and then you got to figure out which one opens the door. It's like, all oh yeah, this is a video game. All the, all the while, there are things blocking you from getting to that point which can kill you very easily mm-hmm. and are very terrifying and you just hope and pray they don't see you. Right. It is my favorite movie on the list. I don't know if it's the best. Maybe it, maybe it is, maybe it's not. I don't know. Definitely my favorite, though. Just one of those, like, blew me away experiences. This movie fucking rules. It is a top-tier horror film for me now. And I guess, to be honest with you, just a lot of the reasons why I, I ended up loving it so much was because it's just been forever since a movie genuinely terrified me. You're hard to startle at yeah. this point old age in your life nothing scares me nothing at all me and i'm just like man i miss the times where a movie like a horror movie could really get me and then i discovered this i'm like and i'm like it seems like all these popular horror movies people sort of oversell for me i'm sure it'll be freaky but will i really be scared by it but then i finally took the plunge and i thought they undersold it that's how freaked out i was by the movie <laughs> yes just a miracle of a horror experience for me that i wouldn't trade for anything i really really love this film it's just one of the best found footage films i've ever seen one of the best zombie films i've ever seen the best resident evil movie ever made of course and uh just bar none like it's it's hard to beat this level of visceral horror there's not much quite like this so uh fuck you first of all for <laughs> yes <laughs> I watch it in broad daylight. I, I don't watch these things at night. I, mean, oh, I, I know wa- better. Oh, I watch this shit at night, man. <laughs> I know better. I watch it in the middle of the workday in broad daylight with people around and just, you know, the comforts of life. And it's the scariest 10 minutes I've, maybe I've ever seen in a movie. Like, it's absolutely nauseating. It's, I mean, it's brutal. It's just absolutely um, I think, like, again, the, the, the promise of the found footage genre post Blair Witch was always like, we are going to break the rules, not just in like a, we're, we're pushing cinema forward way, but like, we're going to break cinema itself yeah, in order to break the contract between filmmaker and audience. Mm-hmm. When you're watching a movie, even if it's the scariest one, and the music cues hit at the right moments, and the cinematography looks a certain way, and there is a certain, there's a language, there's a, a fluency, when there's a, when there's a fluency on screen, we all know we it all, might scare you, but it's like I have signed on the dotted line. This is how I would like to be scared. Yeah, please yeah, scare yeah. me in this way. Yeah, we all have a sense of media uh, visual literacy when watch even yeah. even the scariest horror films yeah. that we can think of, and it's usually you know something that's very well constructed. Horror movies are known for their excellent craft because they have to be. If they don't have good craft, it can be hard to pull it off a lot of the time. Right. It's doubly impressive when you can kind of say fuck you to the craft in a way although this movie yeah you're you're not saying that the movie doesn't have craft but it's very well yeah 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 at every turn if you know what you're doing in a fun footage horror film you're in essence in many ways cinematically throwing a lot of the traditional craft out the window in favor for very different things certainly very different things than what you might get out of like halloween for example well it feels it's not only scary because like uh, yeah halloween is scary yeah the shining is scary yes right this movie is violating. 
Mm. This movie violates you. It's like, wait a minute. I thought we had a deal here. It's, it's like when up. I walk into a movie theater, it's like the screen is not supposed to go black for two minutes. No. Okay. Yes. It, the it, audio it, is not supposed to drop out. It's like, these are things that are not supposed to happen in horror movies. And so when you do that, it's like, all right, now all bets are off. Psychologically, I'm, the movie's playing you like a fiddle. Yeah. It's, but it's like, it's like, you're not but, even making a movie anymore. And it's like, I thought we had a deal and you broke <laughs> it. It is. Yes. It is breaking the rules very knowingly and it knows what it's doing. That's the really scary thing. When you realize the movie's breaking the rules and it knows how to break the rules and it's sort of made up its own in a way yep but never breaking the immersion that's the key to, like to psychologically fuck with you without in this calling way, attention to without itself. like yeah. winking at you ever that is really something to behold in this and this never misses a beat in this way. i don't know how they did it it's just, if this doesn't work on you there's something seriously wrong with you oh, yeah, <laughs> your makeup demented, is not correct yeah. <laughs> you have to you have to have the makeup of the zombies in this movie yeah. <laughs> Although it perhaps it might be the most cinematic. Well, I guess Cloverfield is Cloverfield. More yeah, yeah. Cloverfield is like Hollywood spectacle. Yes, but this one does feel like a traditional narrative in its storytelling. Yes. I think that helps a lot with not breaking the immersion too. Right. Yeah, and the acting is very good. It's classical acting. Like, I don't yeah. know if there was a ton of improv. There might have been. I'm not sure. Mm -hmm. But there's clearly not as much improv as there was in Blair Witch and Paranormal Activity. No, no. You know? You can tell that it was constructed. The, the screenplay did not change yes. from, yeah, from yeah, inception exactly. to final product that much. Although all of that is there, and although, like, it feels like a, like a really compelling, tautly wound story, mm -hmm. it feels unconventional in the worst way but also yeah. the best way <laughs> yeah it's it's incredible i mean it's just it's a really 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 good movie um that is also for what it's worth a, a great exploration of what a zombie apocalypse might actually feel like because one of the scariest ideas in the movie is that they cannot leave this building and mm -hmm. just thinking about the fact that you know the people who are supposed to protect us are going to let us die well it's that's just another a, incredible thing it plays on yeah. is that feeling that you get when like you're at the dmv yeah. or you're dealing with a cop or whatever like whoever the authority figure is where it's like just let me out of here and it's like can't help like you. i'm not sick yeah, yeah. right and it's just like i'm talking to a brick wall yeah. and the the just blood curdling frustration mm -hmm. that incompetent authority figures can sometimes give you it, it's beautifully implemented here yep yeah. i completely completely agree it's like there's literally like a plastic barrier separating me from safety sure that's it like i'm right there <laughs> I'm just right there. let, let me, me out go. Yeah. yeah right <laughs> I f i'm fine i promise i promise yes, i'm fine i'm good yeah but no it's like eh, i can't help you yeah. yeah i can't help you out it does that and it also like the zombie thing it's like yeah you wouldn't really know how to respond to a zombie you would just imagine that this woman is crazed Yes, you exactly. just assume it's not a dead person. It's just a person that's crazed. Like it's just something's not right. And yeah, maybe it's it's odd, but she bit the guy pretty hard. And sure, yeah, whatever. Um, you you would not assume that it's a pathogen. And no, just the the carelessness that they kind of like open and close doors and like don't account for where everybody is. That's the best. There's this oh. great dramatic irony the entire time of like the make little sure you get the fucking key. Make sure you get the key is, is one big thing. The little girl is another. Because it's like mentioned offhand. Like, oh, she lives there with her daughter. And 
I was catching on to it like at a certain point, like when when obviously I realized they're zombies, and then I'm like, well, she, she has did, strep throat or something. Yeah, right? exactly. I forget what the the illness is. But yeah, yeah. And it's like didn't they mention the daughter tonsillitis? Like, that's what it was. Like, what's wrong with the daughter? And then you start putting like I saw where it was going in a good way. Yes. And at, at that moment, I'm just like, oh no, oh no. And then it's just like, yeah. Well, while you guys are over here, I'm like like panicking because I know this girl next to me is gonna fucking. Go crazy! Yeah, it's start eating me bomb. now. Right. Yeah, exactly. Right, that <laughs> but no, no character's one, aware of. No one else knows, and that's oh god, it's so. Well, it's that tough. Hitchcock thing of like yeah. you put the bomb under the table, exactly. and it's like if the character knows, it's action, and if the character doesn't know, and the audience knows, it's suspense, it's yep. thriller, right? Yep, yep. And that's what this movie is, right? Like it's using what in a Paul W. S. Anderson movie would just be dumb action, <laughs> and it is turning it into psychological thriller just by point of view. Yep. Right, and that's the other brilliant thing about making this thing a found mm-hmm. footage movie. It's all the things that you notice that the characters don't notice because the movie is just shot. It's not really stylized. Sure, yeah, exactly. It's not hyper stylized where it's calling your attention to a certain part of the screen, mm-hmm. certain part of the frame. It's yeah, it's just like here's the detail, and that thing can just kill you at any moment. You know, you know how like you watch like old Looney Tunes cartoons and the cell animation, you always know that a, an item on screen is about to move because you can because the outline is more pronounced. A little different, yeah. That sometimes can happen in live action filmmaking too, based on the way that you know a camera is focused or the way that the lighting calls attention to yeah. a certain part of the frame. Definitely, that doesn't happen in found footage. Mm-hmm. You know, just by the nature of it, and yeah, that's why like this was. Very uncomfortable for me. Hard, and, hard movie to telegraph. Yeah, right. You know, and the filmmakers are way ahead of you. And that's yep. the, the unsetting thing. And there's a certain point I knew they were way ahead of me. And it's just the, that case end point example. I, uh, my favorite horror is the ones where I never feel safe. Right. And I never feel safe in this movie. Not a once. Ever. Mm-hmm. And it just gets worse is the thing. That's the other thing. It's like even when like you've blocked yourself off from the zombies finally, which they eventually do when they go upstairs mm-hmm. so they think yeah uh, jesus christ that ending is ah uh. when they get to safety and it's the scariest safety. part of the movie and then the little bits of lore the tiny tiny little bits of lore is that they're just picking up perfectly oh, deployed perfectly deployed amazing it's so good and it just prods your like what happened to the is this a is it a demon is it a what? possession is a it's a ghost who cares Whatever it is, it's here, it's and here, it's going to kill you, kill and you. who gives a shit? Because you're about to die. Yeah. So what do you care? <laughs> Why do you have to get to the bottom of this? You get, like, the evil dead tape, right? Yep. You get all, yep. like, yep. the tropes of horror. <laughs> exactly. But they're just kind of there, and, again, it, it feels plausible. Yes, it does. It, Absolutely. It, it doesn't take you out of it in the way that it happens in Paranormal Activity, where you see the woman's teeth at the end, and it's <laughs> like, all right, well, you've just taken me out of the movie with a cheap jump scare, and it's just meta for no reason. Yep. <laughs> no, no, not the case here. It's like, oh my god, the sound is out, and now the camera's on the ground. And oh, what's and that the, thing in the attic? And when the sound goes out, when the camera cuts out, it's just black, and you hear some of the sound. Yep. The shot of the looking down the stairway with the zombies looking up is just one of the scariest things I've ever seen in my life. It's yeah, crazy. Yeah, Jesus Christ, this movie is so good. Oh yeah, well, I I did want to say also, but on the point of like the folly of man or whatever, and mm. like you know, man's need to record record and, and to get to the heart of darkness or whatever i did think there was something to that idea too yeah this character don't... is and this performance is really really good yeah. and she is morbidly curious about what's going on in that apartment at the beginning of this yeah. movie and search for answers is can be a very dangerous thing depending on what how you go about it yeah and it's not that you know she necessarily got what was coming to her in the way that the crew in cannibal holocaust certainly had it coming to yeah her. yeah 
But yeah, there is kind of like, you know, just fucking close the door and turn the other way. And it's like, yeah, that is kind of the nature of journalism as a profession. Yes. Right. It's like you want to get as close as you can to the unspeakable. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's very well done. Here. There's some interesting stuff in there. Interesting thematic stuff that doesn't like beat you over the head. No, subtle. Like those details in the attic. Just subtle. They're there. They're there. The filmmakers know what they're doing. Yeah. But uh, yeah, not beating you over the head in a way that just feels like too movie-fied. Even though it's like a really good movie. Movie. It is, yeah. Yeah. Just a cinematic. Like if I saw this in a theater, it would be an incredible rush. Yeah, I kind of feel like isn't the one movie too that if it was made not as a found footage movie, it would work just as well? Probably. Right? Yeah. Like it takes advantage of its found footageness, but if it was... Yeah, a traditional narrative. I, I agree with that. I could see that movie. It would be probably still really freaky. Man, what is going on? Maybe you should have left town a little bit earlier, right? Shut up. Oh, shit. Go, 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 go! go. Two thousand eight's Cloverfield is next. Another movie that would work all on its own without the found footage. <laughs> Matt Reeves directs. Drew Goddard writes. Uh-huh. Two guys that have had a pretty long tail in the last ten to fifteen years of American blockbusters. I like these guys. Goddard's a bit hit or miss for me, but Matt Reeves, I feel that way. Uh, what did he directed Cabin in the Woods? Sure did. And wrote the The Martian. That's yeah, yeah, fi- fine by me. I like you uh, it, from the J.J. Abrams uh, tree. That's not that bad. From the coaching trip. J.J. Abrams basically directed this. Although Matt Reeves having a hand, I think, certainly helped. Because this is the best movie that J.J. Abrams has ever been involved in. Maybe, yeah. Yeah. I think (laughs) it is the one that, like, feels innovative and fresh and now and new. Mm -hmm. As opposed to, like, most of his movies, which are, weren't the 80s cool? Here's some lens flares. You know, like, (laughs) man, you love Wookiees. So here's oh. more Wookiees. <laughs> and it's just in the way that doesn't feel just emptily nostalgic. You know, it feels contemporary and urgent. It does. Mike Vogel, Lizzie Kaplan, and T.J. Miller star. One of the miracles of this movie is that T.J. Miller is not annoying. Yes, I agree with that. Right? Isn't that amazing? Because he's not playing the comedy relief at really at any point. He's the guy filming the whole damn thing. Right. Yeah. Yeah, even though his voice is all over this thing. Maybe it's because I don't see him. It's also early T.J. Miller, too, before he became T.J. Miller. Before the most punchable face in America. Yes. A group of friends ventured deep into the streets of New York on a rescue mission during a rampaging monster attack. Uh, $25 million budget, $172 million worldwide. January release. That's one of the most successful January movies ever. Uh, Yeah, you, you remember, right? Transformers had this trailer attached to the front of it. And it was like this weird found footage thing, but no title. That's right, yeah. No title. And then another trailer came out a couple months later, and they had a title. And then TV spots started coming up, and it's like, what is this movie? It's coming out in January. Uh-huh. Didn't even hear anything about this. J.J. Abrams is involved. The Lost Guy? Yeah. Yeah, that guy. And, yeah, there's another word-of-mouth marketing phenomenon. I'll never forget, <laughs> it's very little, J.J. Uh, Abrams was doing his Star Trek movie, and I saw the first teaser for that. They didn't put the title on that movie either. Now, when I was little, I had no idea what Star Trek was. This is my first exposure to anything really Star Trek, aside from people saying, oh, Star Trek occasionally. There was no title with the trailer. No, it just had the symbol, like the, you know, the, the badge symbol. I see. Yeah, gotcha. yeah, with Captain Kirk and everybody wear. Yeah. And I'm just like, 
I don't know what that means. <laughs> <laughs> is that one of those things I got to learn when I'm older? Is that? <laughs> I mean, the, the, sh- the, the trailer does have the construction of the, the, the Enterprise. Yeah, I feel like I didn't. If you're going to go and see this movie, you know. Right? No, I know, I, know. <laughs> I, I, I get it. I was just like, as a kid, I had that experience with fucking Star Trek. <laughs> now right. I look at it, I'm just like, how did I not know what that was? <laughs> I needed a title, damn it. Yeah, oh, it's JJ. Star Trek. Right. <laughs> You know, movies, when I was a kid, they just, like, existed. There was no, like, anticipation. There was no real sense for me, anyway, of, like, the marketing cycle and promotional cycle and, like, reviews come out. Like, there was there was no concept of that. But just, like, movies existed in a bubble for me. Well, this was a time when, like, trailers were their own experience. And, yes. God, I miss this time period where you would, like, something's coming. And What is Cloverfield? Mean? What does that mean? Yeah. It was an experience in and of itself. It was a special moment to be there for the Cloverfield trailer drop mm-hmm. and being confused as shit by it but kind of being amazed by it at the same time i didn't see it in the theater but i saw it not too long afterwards i, I remember going to the theater i remember this vividly Ooh. going to the theater when cloverfield was playing i don't remember what movie i saw but i do remember there was a warning at the kiosk that said those that are like prone to motion sickness should not see this movie. Like, what does that mean? And I remember being like, there's a health warning on movies. That's fucking Whoa. sick. Yeah. And then you didn't realize it's just the fact that the movie's nauseating to watch sometimes. Yeah. But, sometimes it's just like, right. Yeah. 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 But uh, I, no, I, I rented this from Blockbuster. Wow. Good times. Yeah. Went downstairs, Fuck turned the light, yeah. <laughs> turned the lights off in my basement, watched it as a kid. Yeah. And had a pretty extraordinary time with this one. Yeah. Another movie, it kind of reminds me of Blair Witch in the sense that, like, has its people don't, don't care for this movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, quite a few, actually. I would dare to say it's a bit underrated. Yeah, I yeah. think you're right. Again, kind of like Wreck, just another movie that, for me anyway, really doesn't break that immersion. I mean, I'm very much in it. And I kind of like the fact that it's filmed like shit. I mean, here's the thing. All these are filmed bad, but this is really filmed bad. Like, it's, this is a lot. This yeah. is a lot. The to, shaky cam is, yeah. It's it's insane how how bad this actually is. Thank you, TJ Miller. You fucking idiot. <laughs> Doing the Lord's work. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I kind of dig it here, though. I, I don't know. Something about it really works. Puts, I dig it, too, yeah. Yeah, puts me even more in it. And then the little reveals that are shown are that much more impactful. I mean, the me. subway sequences will stay with me the rest of my life. Yeah. I mean, it's crazy, those crab-looking things. Yeah, that scene's amazing. That's a great, really freaky scene. And then the scene afterwards where Lizzie Kaplan explodes. Yeah, Ugh. it's tough. But the scene's tough like... break for my girl Liz. Yeah. <laughs> I love Lizzie Kaplan. I love her so she's, much. She's in Cobweb. Gotta watch that Cobweb. I, I, I watched that show Fleischman is in trouble on FX last year. Yeah. And it's got Jesse Eisenberg and her as like, you know, late 30, early 40 somethings. And the show's all about like, we're getting so old. How will we hold on to our sense of identity as we get so old? And I'm like, Lizzie Kaplan, it's still fucking get it, dude. I don't give a shit what you say. Lizzie Kaplan's the hottest girl in Mean Girls. I mean, gee, <laughs> it's like, like I, I'd feel bad for you if I, believed that you weren't still stunning i mean you're still gorgeous. like what are you talking about? is she the most underrated vision in the industry? unbelievable i don't think people know that no no think, one talks about it I think, yeah I i'm always saying this you don't know what's lizzie kaplan's a fucking smoke show he's a smoke yeah I, i'm watching this show and it's like jesse eisenberg still looks 12 as he always does yeah. it is like and she looks amazing and it's like, what's the problem here? <laughs> you guys are doing great. No, but this movie, like, uh, just talking about, like, the kind of ingenious reveal of the monster. And even when it's, re- like, finally revealed, again, 
there's a lot of restraint even there. You only see it for like, I don't know, maybe five seconds. There's something just so like natural and believable about like not knowing this thing is there until it's there. Like literally it's like it just turns the corner and then boom, there it is. It really captures the chaos of this moment where they're confused by all the army men, like wondering what the hell's actually going on. Like, why are these guys here all of a sudden? Yep. And then they just turn around really quickly and you got this towering fucking monster there. Well, what it does capture, and I know this has been said a million times in the analysis of this movie, but it, captures the feeling of 9-11. I'm trapped in my apartment in Midtown. I don't know what's happening outside. All of a sudden, authorities are showing up and giving me conflicting directions about where to go. And it's, you know, New York City, Statue of Liberty. The head is on the ground, flies across town. Yep. Like the <laughs> Escape from New York poster. It is very much the feeling of like, we don't know what the hell is going on. And there's nowhere to hide because I'm in an urban jungle. Yes. Right? And that that's the thing. It's like... Yeah, there's no real quick way out of here. It's like, no. Well, I take the Lincoln Tunnel? You know, what am I going <laughs> to Hey, it's just, yep. you know, um, it's one of the first movies. Obviously, there were plenty of like 9-11 movies that talked about it in kind of a sensitive way. You know, you have 25th Hour or whatever coming out a couple months afterwards. But it's one of the first like, we're going to stare head first into the trauma of 9-11. And we're going to make it blockbuster entertainment. Make a and whole- the way that the Japanese... Did oh, did with with Godzilla and and the nuclear bomb, right? And they did it recently with Shin Godzilla, right? Yeah, yeah. You exactly. know, it's like we're gonna address our trauma finally and make it entertaining in the way that Godzilla did. And we're gonna, by the way, make our own Godzilla. Yeah, basically, which was J.J. Abrams' entire thing. It's like I'm gonna make my own Godzilla because Americans don't have one. Yeah, I like this monster, this weird bat-looking fucking alien thing. Yeah, it's just been ripped off. So many times, man, this, this does, I like this design, but they have really overdone this whole like elongated arm thing into the ground. Yes. It is fucking everywhere. Like I really like a quiet place, but it's kind of the same thing. Yeah. You're not wrong. Um, it's solid. It's just <laughs> fucking solid. It's just a solid, like again, no nonsense. Just let's just get oh, out of here. These movies are so short. That's the great oh, thing I love about that. them. They're so fucking short. It's great. It's I don't crazy. think any of them are over an hour and a half. No, no, I don't think so either. Yeah, I do like the ending. I, do, I you know, it's not the best of the bunch here, but it's yeah, it's just an overall. Now, when you say the ending, you mean like the final kill, or do you mean the cutting in of the relationship Coney Island footage? Both. Yeah, I like the Coney Island. Yeah, I like too. the Coney Island stuff too. I think that is low key. I mean, we talk about the relationship in the center of paranormal activity being nothing. Yeah, this movie just kind of sprinkles that shit in. I mean, yeah. there's not really a lot of time for love scenes, and we get those little flashbacks here and there as the, in a brilliant kind of conceit, right? Of cross cutting. Yeah. And I learn more about them than I do the couple at the center of paranormal activity. But it is, it's sad. It kind of emphasizes the tragedy a little bit more with that ending. It's like, oh yeah, these were people that loved each other and they're gone. Oh God. Eh, yeah. It's tough. But there's a real like romanticism to it that feels sincere. It does. You know, it doesn't feel like a gimmick. No. It's a good movie. Very good. I say. Very good movie. It's a good movie and I'm sick of people saying otherwise. Hello, my name is Pete Fuss. I might look like I eat you up, but I'm as friendly as a rabbit, and I'd make a very good friend. Peach Fuzz, I am here, and there's nothing to fear. 
anyone here before? Couldn't look in the eye. What a perfect body. I want a head of a wolf. Ah, oh, Peach Fuzz. <laughs> Peach Fuzz. Creep from 2014 is directed by Patrick Bryce. Also stars Patrick Bryce and Mark Duplass. One of them mumble gore movies that we're always hearing so much about. Yeah. One of the prototypical mumble gore movies. For those that don't know, of course, the mumble core genre was this you know genre of like dialogue heavy, not particularly stylized, like pieces of shit. Indie rom-coms, basically. For the basically. Most yeah. And then there was this little offshoot. Guys like Ty West did the House of the Devil, and Adam Wingard does Your Next, and Jeremy Saunier does Murder Party, right? And there's all yeah. these horror movies that use a similar kind of aesthetic and a similar, like, uh, rough-around-the-edges uh, thing. And then the term mumble gore gets coined, and then often there's a lot of crossover with, like, you know, Greta Gerwig is in a lot of these movies. That's true, and, yeah. In this case, Mark Duplass, who was one of the... The, the guys, one of the mumble gore guys, one of the architects of the genre, is in now a mumble gore movie playing a creep, a titular creep. Yeah, he's he's certainly a creep. Um, creep. <laughs> you know, it, it'd be pretty good, like as a horror movie, if it wasn't so fucking funny. And that's the problem with this movie. And the irony is, it's like called Creep, and it's not very creepy. No, like there's jump scares. At times, and there's like, in, in a very like manipulative way or whatever, but like, yeah, for a movie called Creep, like, you better fucking creep me out. And you didn't really creep me out. You just scared me. And then it was fleeting. And then for the most part, fleeting, I just, fleeting, fleeting, I just, fleeting I scare. I laughed at how dumb this whole thing is. It's always really dumb. It's really dumb. It's a stupid fucking movie. <laughs> so stupid. Uh, I don't want to beat around the bush of this for too long. I mean, the movie's not good. Mm-hmm. A lot of the reasons it's not good is because of its lead. Or it's lead villain. Sure. I'm sorry, my guys, but Mark Duplass don't belong in this movie at all. No. This combination makes no sense to me. I was like, what the fuck is this like whimsical horror bullshit? Like, what even is this? What is this tone? Right. Nothing about this. Like, I don't know where I'm at. I am. I'm in this weird gray purgatory with this movie. It's like, I'm not scared. I'm not creeped out. I don't find it that funny. I'm more confused by. Oh, I don't even think it was intentionally fun. I mean, sometimes obviously they're, they're going yeah. for that, but you're- <laughs> no, there were other times where I'm like, I, I mean, that rape story. Oh God! <laughs> is like very funny. You just kind of go like, "What the fuck?" Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, that's exactly that's exactly the reaction. Yeah, yeah. yeah it was a poofed <laughs> story, right? I love that. I gotta use that. Yeah, I gotta coin that from now on. Yeah, the poofed yeah. story. <laughs> like, really? We're going with that? Uh, what? Yeah. <laughs> it has one scary moment, and it for me, and it's the phone call. Yes. Phone call is the only scary part of the movie. Right. Just because you're like, I know I wasn't safe, but how unsafe am I really? And then she says, get out of the house. Oh, okay. And then you you know that he's going to be not sleeping. Not there. The right, right. Yeah, right. you know he's going to. You're back to the motions, right? But then, like, the attempts at, like, the first of all, the jump scares are obnoxious. They're obnoxious, yes. And then when it's revealed who's doing the jump scare, I'm like, yeah, it's just Mark Duplass. Right. He's a guy that doesn't He's fit. a hipster. He he's a, yes, he's a fucking hipster. He yeah, it's does, like I, I saw you at Starbucks yes. yesterday. It's like, yeah, right. I don't care for 
Mark, I don't care if Mark Duplass is an actor. Let me put it that way. He's yeah. that kind of guy where it's like, no matter what he's doing, what he's in, I only see Mark Duplass. I don't buy you as a character for a second. I don't buy you playing this character for a second. You, He has that kind of annoying, eccentric, like, you got a beautiful smile, man. I love you. It's right. just such an asshole. Yeah. I don't think I was in this movie for even a second. I, don't, I didn't buy it for even like a minute. Yeah, I think, listen, I've been more of a defender of Bumblecore movies than you over the years. Although I sometimes share in your reservations and will share in your eye rolling, maybe. Yeah, that's certainly what was going when, on. When these movies are, you know... Like, when he points down to the fucking heart, I'm just like, what? What are we doing in this? Like, Yes. But I, I do think, although a lot of these Mumblecore movies are really good, the improvisatory, just like, let's see where it goes and let's let's just feel it out on set, man. And let's just, Like, I don't think that rom-com formula translates well into horror which is supposed to be taut and intense and well constructed and i know that's like what the the idea was found footage right like blair witch was just an improv exercise but that movie still has a sense of urgency to it yes it does you know even if they're making it up on the fly it's still like they're making it with a very specific purpose in mind whereas it just feels like with creep and i know this was the case hearing about the making of this movie just feels like they were figuring out the movie as it went along. Absolutely. And it would have worked a billion times better if they just stayed at the guy's house. Yeah, that was another thing, too, where it's like, you can tell they have seen a million found footage movies, and they, like, sat in front of a chalkboard one day and, like, all right, how do we circumvent this trope? How do we subvert this on its head? Like, what if this happened in a found footage movie? What if, like, we went home? What if we were filming the TV? What if the killer took the camera? Like, what you know what I mean? There's a lot of, okay, and this is the thing that I, the, the, they're not really trying to tell a story there to me. There's nothing here that they really want to say. They're just like playing with toys in, in, yes. in that scenario. Right. How do we subvert X and Y expectation for fun? And that's it. Sure. And that's kind of what the movie feels like. Just feels like an empty exercise. That right. They're playing with toys like Sid plays with toys in Toy Story. Yeah, certainly. Yeah, it's like, certainly. what if Woody didn't have a head? Yeah, you know? there like, we go. Well, then he'd be a toy without a head. Yeah, I guess, <laughs> I, yeah, I guess he would. <laughs> you know? And that's the way the meta-ness, I think, feels like. Although some of them are, I don't know, I think the structure can be clever, but it, it, it does feel like a hat on a hat at a certain point. It's just a movie that falls into the pile of movies like this in independent fare that are just a little too clever for their own good. A little too clever, right. Yeah. It's like you're getting a little too cute for me and you're missing the point. Right. Yeah. But also, like, you're not going anywhere. Yeah. Like, we're just going in circles here and... Again, when it's a rom-com and it's like, you know, Greta Gerwig and Joe Swanberg, like, just prattling on about nonsense, that's one thing. There's a hypnotic spell that sometimes Wimblecore movies can cast on you. Well, also, frankly, like, it's not hard to imagine that in rom-coms, you know, prior to Mumblecore movies in general. I mean, Woody Allen films are are very, like, well-considered, but there is an element of, like, free-spiritedness to that, you know. Oh, yeah, no, Mumblecore, the the whole thing with Mumblecore is basically, what if we made Woody Allen movies without production quality? Yes, exactly. That's That's all, right, yeah. yeah, yeah, It's not as revolutionary as a lot of people like to think of. No, 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 and that's part of the thing that bothers me about it's like this ain't that special guys what, sure. is, what even is this it's like but i understand like the leap from like woody allen to mumblecore it's like trying to tr- take mumblecore sensibilities and put it in a taut stalker serial killer movie yeah your next is good 
that's not really a that that that. You know, I mean, like, I I know, I know, but I mean, these guys have made successful versions of this. I just think for the most part that it, it it's a little antithetical. This is the wrong approach for it for sure. Like even yeah. if you want to be a little more improvisational or, or loose, like I don't find your next to be a loose. Thing. Like right. Very much a, a House of the Devil feels that way. But again, that's another very well put together and thought out movie. Horror films kind of need to be that way. I'd love to see an improvisational. Well, they have horror to have tempo, right? I mean, that's yeah, part of it. horror. Absolutely. Has to, right. Yeah. Right. Certainly. Certainly. And this just doesn't. What is the tempo? No, there's no metronome. <laughs> yeah. There. Right. There isn't one. Yeah. Not in a way. Like that's the thing about Wreck, right? It's like Wreck is breaking the rules and it's violating you, but it's still it's got the metronome. Right. Yes, it does. It's, it still has the rhythm. Yes. You know, and this one just loses sight of the rhythm altogether. So I'm, I'm just not as scared. I just don't think Mark Duplass works in this at all. At all, at all, at all. Yeah. I don't, I don't buy it for a second. I don't really buy the guy either. Patrick Bryce is not much of a character. No. He's not, he's not much of a character in the movie. No, not at all. It's just stand-in dude that you're with, I guess. Right. And when he becomes the center of the movie... At the hour mark? Yeah, and I'm really rolling my eyes at that point. And now I'm really out, and then he makes that decision at the end of the movie to go to the lake. in the world. Yeah, but beyond dumb, it's like, man, I just don't buy it. Well, yes, of course you don't buy it. Like, who would do that? Yeah. (laughs) Who the fuck would do that? Who the fuck would, like, deal with what this guy's been dealing with and say, wow, he just looks so sad. By the way, I would see the footage of the guy filming my... It's implied that he took his own camera, right? When he was sleeping and cut his hair? Yes. Oh, yeah. Like you, yeah, you, he's seen this footage. I think I would, maybe not. I, would, I don't know. It's a really f- fucking stupid if you haven't looked at your footage, bro. Like, yeah. I do that every time I turn on my camera. Right. Every single time. Right. <laughs> I don't know. I don't. I don't get it. Like the first thing you do, it's like, oh yeah, let me go look at that shot. I just said, what is this? What the hell is that? Yeah, if it wasn't so silly. It's so goofy. If it wasn't so silly, maybe it would work. Like, I think about that lake scene. It's a stretch, but I thought of the Zodiac lake scene just Mm -hmm. because it's a murder at a lake. Mm -hmm. And they both use their own brand of realism. Yes. You know? Definitely. I'm just like, man, if this was not so silly, it could maybe evoke the same feeling that Zodiac evokes in me. I kind of got an unintentional laugh there where he brings the axe. I'm just like... Oh, it's so funny. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I know. The, and like, the effect right. is actually pretty good. I, I got to give him some It credit. is a good effect. Absolutely. It's a good effect and they pull it off pretty well. Yeah, but he slowly takes the axe out and he's swinging it and he's like ready. It's like, that's funny. But it looks like fucking Bugs Bunny. It's, yes. It's like yeah, yeah, right. slowly inching closer. I'm going to kill you. Yeah, it's uh, like he's he's lighting the dynamite. It's like, Right. It is Looney Tunes though, with the methodical nature of it. Yes. Yeah. It's not creepy. It's humorous. And like, right. What? it doesn't work. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, I agree with you. It doesn't work. Could have been fine. There's some fine ideas here. I'll say that. There's, I mean, that idea of like, like taking up a job, like a MySpace job. Yeah, Craigslist. Yeah, the yeah, idea yeah, sure. of like, yeah. of Which is partially what, what I guess this is inspired by. I guess Bryce. Yeah, I think this guy had some negative experiences on Craigslist. I, obviously. I'll say is that in, in terms of like following up on the Craigslist stuff, I mean, Tusk just did it so much better. <laughs> Tusk a better movie than this. Yes. Yes, I think it is. I say yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah. It's just, and that, I fucking hated that final monologue. It's like, you know, you didn't see me as a threat. And because of that, you're, you're my favorite. I yeah, love see, you. again, another bit of logic that I don't buy. Like, am I supposed to, like, retroactively think he didn't turn around because he felt bad for him? Like, yeah, that he was playing along, that he had some sort of death wish? It's like, I don't buy that. 
Or it's just meaning. It just doesn't mean it. It's just the guy's lunatic ravings. Either way, it's just meaningless. Okay. But what other explanation would there be for him not to turn around? At that point? It, was it just pure stupidity? Like, yes. That's what it is. There's no, no. That's what it yeah, is. Yeah, I just don't buy it. I don't buy it. <laughs> I don't buy that anyone would be that stupid. And if it wasn't just pure stupidity, I wouldn't be, buy that any of that was a conscious choice. You had to be that stupid. Like, there's a thousand ways he could have gotten out of this situation, too, by the way. That's the, like, the whole notion of him, like, staying at his house in the way that he does is ridiculous. The other problem is, like, the cops would have probably done something. Yes. If they, they don't do anything. It's just, I, I don't buy that for a second. But, again, the scene where he goes to the lake, he's not trying to kill himself. He wants to talk to the guy. Because he has that line where it's like, yeah, I just, I do feel really, really bad for this guy. Maybe he's right. just sad. Maybe he's just, he just a struggling to, actor. Maybe he's, yeah, it's a movie about acting. Maybe just, <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> maybe he just needs a good talking to. No, he didn't turn around because he's fucking stupid. As is this movie. There's a lot of people that love this one. This is, I feel like we're at odds with a lot of people because this is more, one of the more popular. Oh yeah, very popular. It was a big early Netflix success. Yes. I don't think it's a Netflix original, but it debuted there. And they made a sequel, Creep yes. 2, in 2017. And apparently they're working on a third one. Yeah. That's going to happen at some point in time. So, yeah, people like it. But, yeah, not for me. Not my thing. Okay, there we go. Yeah. Um, so, we have six found footage movies to choose from. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to just say that it's probably between Blair Witch and Wreck. Yes, it is. Right? Yes, it With is. With Cloverfield, I think, being a distant third. Yeah. And then... The other three just in whatever order. I mean, I don't know. Cannibal Holocaust next, I guess. And then, yeah, I would actually have to go Cannibal Holocaust, Paranormal Activity, Creep. Maybe I have Creep a little higher than Paranormal Activity. Yeah, I just think like it is between, you know, what's like a cult classic. Mm-hmm. Horror fans know it as an exquisitely executed zombie movie versus a totemic. Totemic, yeah. Once in a generation, lightning in a bottle incredible movie that has still stood the test of time in Blair Witch. That's and true. That's I think, like, pick your poison. I'm of the opinion Rex the best version of this we've ever seen. Okay. That's where I'm at. But you're not wrong. It's I don't care, honestly. Which I'm one. not against it. I just, watching Blair Witch again, I think I was just, I think I was ready to come into it being like, eh, you know, a little bit of a shaggy dog. It's not really as oh. taut and effective as a rewatchable. Sure. You know, I, I, that was my assumption coming in, and I was proven wrong. It was the biggest surprise of the bunch. And I was, it, yes, I, I guess, and it's weird to say, but I was pleasantly surprised by this, like, generationally defining movie. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was. And I think, so maybe coming into it, I would have agreed with you on Wreck. I, I don't want to sell short how good of a fucking movie Blair Witch is, though. Yeah, I know. That's I a know. really, really good, 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 good movie. Yeah, I know. You know? <sighs> but I'll let you decide because you're the horror guy, and it's Halloween. Oh, I don't know. So you can decide. I feel bad. It's the second time nominating Blair Witch. And if it doesn't get it, that's that's unfortunate. We're building a Hall of Fame here. But we're building our Hall of Fame. And that includes fucking, what does that include? A couple of Paul D- D- W. Sanderson movies. <laughs> so I don't know. The movie Hall of Fame includes Soldier, my guy. <laughs> True. True. Fair point. You make the call. You want Wreck? Wreck is the end all be all for me. No point in doing another found footage after that. Wreck is it. We would like to thank TooManyThoughtsMedia.com for providing us with this podcast footage. What you might have just listened to may have shocked you. 
What are the disclaimers they put at the at the, at the ends of these things? <laughs> we did not hurt any animals making this show. Yeah. <laughs> Nico's body was recovered <laughs> on the podcast studio floor. Adam was never found. Yeah, there you go. So there, there's our found footage podcast. The twist is, is that you're the killer, not me. I was going to say, by the way. <laughs> oh, no. That bathtub scene creep reminded me of exposition of a murder. Oh, I and know. And I found that quite amusing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Adam Hall made a uh, made a short film many years ago called Exposition for a Murder. Very scary movie in its own right. In which he appears uh, semi-nude in a bathtub. Totally nude. And you also play totally a, a serial killer. I do play that. a serial killer. In so, that. um... I am wearing uh, swim goggles in the bathtub in that scene, and I am drenching myself in this shit. So, yeah, I think my scene wins this one. Instead of talking about my fake son, right, like some loser. When are you <laughs> going to unlock the Disney Vault oh. and put that movie back on YouTube? Because I know that you you unlisted it for a stretch, right? I think it's up. It is. I want to say it's up. Yeah. Okay. So here we go. Disney is announcing Exposition for a Murder is out of the vault. It's out of the Disney vault for all you fine people to love and enjoy. Oh, what a film. Let me see, actually. Did I? Un- <laughs> I think it's. Uh, How long is it? Like 20 minutes? Half hour? 36 minutes long. 36. 36 Oof. minutes. It's a movie. It's a movie. I make movies. I make real movies. God. <laughs> Think about my fucking time. Jeez, 36 minutes. <laughs> Brevity is the soul of wit, my guy. Yeah, I know. Is it up there? It's up. 36 minutes of Naked Adam, if you are inclined. Mm-hmm. For art. That's right. For art. Is yeah. exactly right. Do you think that maybe the Italian government should consider arresting you for obscenity? <sighs> I did some weird shit on that movie, my guy. Yeah. I For did... exposing the world to your naked body. The amount of times Mark had to drive into the prickers of the field and everything on his bike where the tires were flat. Oh, yeah, it was tough. <laughs> <laughs> I think one day, because that we did a podcast, me, Zach, and Nick, yeah. <laughs> reviewing that movie years ago, and the audio got fucked up and we never released it. You want to do an f- actual review? I think, I think one day we need to do that. I'd love to do that. No, you're not involved. Damn it. I think I need to <laughs> get together a, a group of, you know, cinema's greatest thinkers, and we need to really analyze this thing frame by frame. Who does that include? Rob? Yeah. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> He'll just be like, terrible. <laughs> All right. Uh, we will be back in a couple of weeks with a mega podcast about one of the great filmmakers of all time. That's right. So be on the lookout for that. Mm -hmm. I wonder if you can guess which one. Michael Bay. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And we love you, right? Yeah, we do. We We do. do. Stay safe on Halloween. Avoid any sort of ghosts, ghouls, goblins, whatever. All of the above. Yes. I recommend steering clear. (laughs) Stay away from any and all Spanish apartment complexes. Definitely. (laughs) And until next time. Shut your door. (laughs) 